0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Tuesday, July 21st. Training camp is... Training camp is on the horizon, he said in um, whatever voice. that I guess that's Ron Burgundy. I'll just read whatever's on the prompter. But no, we don't know. We think training camp is about to happen. Of course, we will keep you updated on the... COVID concerns going along, and we will be talking with Jason Lockham later this week and Jonathan Jones, our NFL insiders, to break down what they think is going to happen. So make sure to subscribe. You get the podcast dropped to you right away. You can also watch on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash pick six and hit that subscribe button if you're not banned from YouTube like I am, and uh, you can join us and watch all of these uh, videos are not live, but you can watch them later on. You can fire us up on your television, uh, you know, when you're waiting for baseball to start. Also, while you're waiting for baseball to start, opening day is Thursday. Garrett Cole and the Yankees facing off against the defending world champion, world series champion, excuse me, Washington Nationals and the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast is banging out, Big episodes all week long. Scott White, Chris Towers, Adam Azer, and Frank Stanfall are getting you ready for the 60-game sprint as well as everything you need for your week one matchups. Make sure and subscribe. they got tons of great content, even if Adam Azer is involved. Uh, fortunately, Frank showed up and rectified Azer's presence by making it a much better show. Um, suck it, Azer. Talking trash about me on the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'll come at you, buddy. Um You find fantasy baseball today anywhere, Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay. Training camp battle time. Uh, joining us now for, uh, it feels like the third time in the last week, but that's a good thing. Cody Benjamin, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I'm happy to be here. I think
1: it's, I think it's number three. Um, yeah, (laughs) training.
0: Who's keeping track of anything?
1: I don't know. No, I got a, I got a scorecard right here. Um, (laughs) No training camp. What a weird, it feels weird to even be writing about training camp battles because I mean, even if there is camp, I mean, are these guys going to be, are they going to be hitting each other? Are they going to be, are we allowed to have competitions? I mean, there's, it's, there's so many questions up in the air. Um, but there are, there are jobs to be won. And I think that that kind of intensifies these, these battles that need to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would encourage everybody to go read Peter King's story in. Uh, on NBC Sports, he uh, he got a behind-the-scenes tour of the Minnesota Vikings setup. And, you know, I know it was interesting because we saw a lot of athletes or prof- NFL players over the weekend tweeting, you know, we, hashtag we want to play. And it became clear. I mean, they, they were sort of fired shots at the NFL. Now, whether that was strictly related to health concerns or – partially related to financial concerns is irrelevant. What they're letting the NFL know is that they don't like the current setup that the league has put together, and therefore they would um, they would like the league to change, change their approach there. I did think Peter's story, though, sort of gave me – I've been getting a little more nervous about the season and training camp and everything opening up on time amid the coronavirus concerns. Uh, Peter's story on NBC Sports – I was like, man, the Vikings kind of had this together. Like they got something cooking. You got to do uh like a retinal temperature scan with a mask on. It can't be activated without a mask. Everybody's got to wear a mask basically 24/7. They've um they've modified the food setup, they've modified the locker room setup, the training setup. I mean, there's only so much you can do, but I feel like the Vikings have done as much as you could ask them to
1: yeah and i guess the interesting thing um stemming off that conversation is is every team on the same page because the vikings may have that but then you've got a team like the raiders where a few weeks ago you know you've got mark davis saying we still want to fill the stadium like we we want to fill it up and so you know he's he's since updated that and pretty much said you know there's probably going to be nobody there um you got the chiefs they're saying they're going to have everything at arrowhead i mean there's yeah, I think it, it is a credit to those organizations that have been out front on this. I mean, we've had months to kind of sit here and think about how things could look. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're it is getting close. I mean, we're, we're only a I, few I was, weeks I was away. I say
0: this too, by the way. Sorry not to jump in on you, but I, I think you're right. The difference in how these various teams are approaching it. And I am in no way making an analogy. Or a comparison to the state of of our country at all when I see this. But no, Cody, you gotta understand, I am not making that comparison. Do you see what I'm saying? I am not making the comparison. (laughs) that there should be a unified approach from up top that leads to a more cohesive attack against this virus across the entire spectrum of the NFL. And maybe, maybe some leadership up top would be fantastic to issue some directives that tell these various teams what they should do at the independent team level. But I am not whatever, whatever you're oh, yeah. I'm not Are the you sure? to the country. This is strictly the NFL that I'm talking about.
1: Well well, first of all if you're not making it, I think that you <laughs> don't make it. I'm I, not making it. You geez, don't make I think it. I got some spit on me from over here. Um, I think that uh if you're not making the comparison, I don't see why it's wrong to do it. I mean, right. I, I don't think, I don't think you're being um, partisan or whatever. I think the, the, the fact of the matter is look, the season is supposed to start in, in a, you know, the, the camps are supposed to start this week. Um, preseason games are supposed to happen so quickly. I mean, Yes, I think it does mirror whether or not you want to call it that or not. I think it mirrors. I mean, you know, I could be in Minnesota right now, and the restaurants don't allow you to sit without a, a mask on. I, I, you could go to another state, and it looks different. And that's just that's not saying something political. That's just the reality of of the world right now. Well, and, and I think, no, I mean,
0: these it, teams, it, these teams, like people from different states, are going to inherently be mingling. I mean, like these teams are going to play each other. And this is part of the problem that the college game is facing right now, too, as it relates to, to COVID-19 and not to get off into this whole topic where we'd say the training camp battles, but I think it's related. So, the you know, they cancel all these non-Power 5 games, right, the non-conference games. Well, part of the problem is that, so hypothetically, NC State plays at Liberty at some point later in the season or, or scheduled to. Liberty doesn't have the – or maybe they play a troy, whatever, whatever the case may be. Liberty does not have the infrastructure or the budgetary means to test these players the way that a power five ACC school will. That's where the NFL is different. The, you know, all these teams are owned by billionaires. They have tons of money. There needs to be a consistent infrastructure in place. And part of the problem with the league is that I think the league looked at how coronavirus was trending and said, all right, we'll be fine in July. But now it's July, and the trend is still going back up, and that is where it gets a little dicey. And
1: it's late July. I mean, we're on the verge of uh, – I oh. know that they they canceled the Hall of Fame game, but, like, all of this is – I mean, can anyone right now – you know, we're sitting outside of these negotiations, mm-hmm. but can anyone even inside there say definitively, like, we're going to have football the first mm-hmm. week of September? Mm-hmm. And that's that's not even talking about training camps – Across 32 different teams. I mean, it is nuts. And I think no matter what, though, um, it's going to be messy because if they decide, let's just say the billionaires put their money towards all these resources they need to do it, well, then you're going to have people saying, actually, these resources should go to the public right
0: now. Yeah. You you can't test in Florida, but Uh, you can get like one every day. Like the NBA guys are getting tested once every hour. I mean, that's, there is a a moral quandary that needs to be addressed there that that isn't being addressed.
1: and that's not to say there isn't a place for sports to come back. And obviously both you and I would benefit from having the NFL happening this season. Um <laughs> But, you know, we want it to happen, but it's just, I think no matter what, this is the reality, like we're living in a pandemic still Um, regardless of how seriously you take that. I mean, the NFL has to grapple with that. Um, Like you said, morally, but also economically, I think no matter how it happens, it's not going to be pretty. And,
0: well, and I think that, and I'm not, I'm not calling out Roger Goodell because I don't think this is Roger Goodell's fault or whatever, but I think that a lot of times the leadership done behind the scenes, it would behoove the NFL to issue, like, to be a little, not more transparent, but maybe a little bit more vocal in how they want this to be handled and to emphasize to teams that it is important to have consistency across the board because there are, you know, like, they they don't know whether they're going to allow, like, they're basically saying, okay, if your state allows mass gatherings, you can have fans. But if your state doesn't, no fans for you. And the Patriots have already said they're going to max out at 20%. The Eagles have said they won't have fans for at least, uh, I guess, what, the first uh, eight, six or eight weeks, whatever it is, to however long they did it. But the point being is that there's not even any consistency there. And I understand you have to deal with the jurisdictional issues of where you play football and all that. It, it just feels like the NFL has an opportunity to be aggressive and be nimble, and it's not doing that. And that applies to this sort of the player union stuff too. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna find somebody. You're gonna use the CBA to find somebody if they don't wanna show up because of maybe like health concerns. I mean, you, you gotta be kidding me. And,
1: and then, then you'll have. But
0: how can you prove that, let's say hypothetically, um, uh, uh who hadn't signed the franchise tag? There's gotta be who, who, who Ngakwe. who's Ngakwe? Yeah, let's say, got, let's say Yannick Ngakwe tweets, I'm concerned about my health, and I don't know if I should be there for Jaguars training camp. Are the Jaguars then going to fine him? Because, I mean, you know, like, and I get that maybe Yannick isn't really concerned. You know, I just think there's a whole host of issues that come into play, and that the NFL should be a little bit more flexible on this labor agreement than it than it sounds like they are being. Yeah. And maybe this
1: won't be the case if they come to an agreement, but if they do start finding people like that, I mean, would it be surprising to anyone if there was some kind of mass, you know, walkout or no. something, because I mean, you've got every big name that you could think of in the NFL, join this social media campaign to pretty much put the ball in the NFL's court and say, look, we, like we want to play, but you got to figure it out. Yeah. Um I mean, I, I don't see Baseball
0: players did too. They were very aggressive leading yeah. up to the return of baseball and they, you know they got the 60 game schedule or whatever it's a it's a different animal with football just for for a variety of reasons but i do think that the star players like russell wilson saying hey my wife's pregnant yeah. i got concerns i mean if 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 and you know russell is not in in he is not worried about finances like his yeah. his financial future is set forever but i mean he is a borderline hall of fame quarterback in his prime With a team that is a Super Bowl contender, so how do you balance, you know, having a pregnant wife at home with wanting to be the guy who tries to lead this team and young receivers? You know, I mean, that's a really tough ask for someone who is the face of the franchise, but also clearly a very dedicated uh, father and husband and and a a good person behind it. It's it's a it's a it's a weird, weird moral time to to be making yeah.
1: I, and it's not it's not the NFL's fault that a pandemic no. struck. But also, there's I, I no
0: force majeure in the CBA, which is a problem for the NFL. We yeah. cannot declare act of God. We're not paying you.
1: And I, I just think it can't be stated enough, like the fact that we are. You know, we're almost in August. I mean, I, when you're sitting here right now, I mean, is there any way to you that that Week One happens on time right now? Yeah. Or
0: I, I mean, think, it just I seems think week like it could happen. But I mean, my, my sort of expectation has been that training camp would be a lead up, like that basically that I've been saying for like weeks now that I thought they would cancel the preseason entirely and just like do an yeah. extended training camp. And that way you've got some windows if you need to hit pause because guys get corona, et cetera, et cetera. And again, we'll talk to JJ and JLC about this a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think it could still happen, but I'm certainly a little more skeptical than I was in the past. I would not be at all surprised if we saw the NFL Take, there's a chunk, I think it's like weeks three through six or yeah. five or whatever it is that they can slice out of intra, conference games, move to October one. Well, you move to October one as your start date and then you decide, are we going to go 16 or 12? Right. And yeah, you know, I, none of that would surprise me. I think they built enough flexibility from that standpoint in where they can sort of be reactionary, but it's very disappointing to see how they, they've, yeah, it.
1: isn't it going to be weird if, if in a few months we're talking about Hey, you see how Patrick Mahomes played at the end of the fourth quarter? It just seems weird to even be talking about Chiefs and Steelers or wh- whoever, you know. Uh,
0: well, but- it's like, um, what was it? What else were we doing? Oh, it was, it was like the first golf tournament when they came back, and I like could not get excited about it. And I don't know that it's because I'm. I think it's because I just don't. I don't want to trick myself. I don't want to like convince myself that it's just going to be fine. Yeah. And now golf has been fine and that's awesome, but golf is, I mean, you know, anybody, golf is not a problem from a social yeah. perspective. All right. Let's get to these training camp battles. Number five. This is on CBSSports.com and in the description, uh, Cody ranked the five most intriguing 2020 training camp battles and spoiler, many of them, most of them are quarterback battles as they should be because those are the most intriguing training camp battles, uh, at a time when we don't really know what what training camp is going to look like. We haven't seen any all-season camps But number five is not. In fact, it's not even a battle between a player on a roster or two players on the roster. It's a battle of John Robinson, the Titans GM, and David Clowney. In your first uh, sentence or first phrases, didn't see this one coming, did you? No, I did not.
1: Didn't see it coming, Cody. Well, I got you then, Will. Um, I like yeah, it. I just think, again, I mean, most of these are quarterbacks, and that's because I mean, if we're talking about you know, football coming back from a pandemic is everyone's first concern, like who's going to start at the number two cornerback spot for Dallas. I mean, I think it's <laughs> like Jadavian Clowney is still a big name. And I think, um, you know, when he signs somewhere, that's still a big impact, even though his market has been really quiet or um, he's kind of held out. And the Titans have been flirting with him for a while. The connection is there with Mike Grable. He knows the division. I mean, I think the fit works really well. It's just a matter of are they going to make this marriage happen? Um, And I think if it's going to happen, I mean, it it should happen in training camp. I mean, when is he going to to lower his price enough or when is someone going to take a bite out of the apple? I think it happens in the next few weeks if it does, and I think that marriage makes sense. It's just a matter of is it going to be John Robinson or Clowney that that kind of compromises.
0: Yeah, if I'm Robinson, I mean, I'm really looking at you know a situation where – I mean, don't the, the – the Titans have a chance to I, – I think the Titans are built with enough consistency, albeit with a different defensive coordinator, where, I mean, they can be a Super Bowl contender. Now, you're asking for a total lack of regression from Derrick Henry and Ryan yeah. Tannehill, which is asking a lot. But I think you're going to see teams early on and – and I've said this ad nauseum, but I'm going to keep repeating it. I think teams that have a simple offensive structure and consistency at quarterback, uh, offensive coordinator, offensive line and head coach are going to be at an advantage early on in this pandemic season that we think will happen because you're not asking for a complex, le- you're not giving anybody a complex learning curve on short notice with distant, distance learning. And, you know, you're not asking these guys to become cohesive randomly. So what I'm saying is I think a team like Tennessee. That can run power, run the ball, that has a uh, you know quarterback and receivers and a running back who are all on the same page as the current offensive coordinator can be really dangerous. Having said all that, you know why not go out and and sign Jadavon Clowney? Why not spend up a little bit? I, I think they have twenty three yeah. million dollars in cap space. Like go get the dude on a maybe. And maybe it's you don't want to spend twenty three million on a one year deal. I don't. I don't know. I I think they should make a move for a win now window though.
1: Yeah, I mean, they spent some money on Vic Beasley, but to be honest, I don't, I mean, I don't really get that excited about Vic Beasley. I mean, if you see Clowney still out there, I think you could say, let's make up for this sunk cost of Vic Beasley and pair him with Jadavian Clowney. I mean, I think Seattle makes sense for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, you're talking about this is a team that wants to run the ball and play defense. I mean, why not add a huge presence to that defensive line? Um, and yeah, I, I do think it's a lot to ask. Uh, Tannehill and uh, Derek Henry to do the same things that they did but if that's the case then you know this is a guy who yes you've got to check off those health concerns but if you can do that I mean he he's familiar with the system he can come in and start right away
0: yeah and I think when you now if you sign Clowney the nice thing about Clowney is he can he can move around a bit. Like he can play inside a little bit more. You know, he's played four three end. He has played three four outside linebacker in Mike Vrabel's system. So, and you have a new, you know, I mean, presumably Mike Vrabel can be heavily involved. with DP's gone, and the defensive coordinator, you know, calls and all of that. So, to me, what you can do is not only do you bring in a guy who's much better against the run than Vic Beasley is, but you t- bring in somebody in Clowney who so he improves your run game. He allows you to make Vic Beasley a situational pass rusher. Yeah. You can roll out there in third and long and let him just get after the quarterback because he's not an all-around player. Uh, Harold Landry eases some of the burden off of a third-year player who's a potential breakout, and it'll make guys like Jeffrey Simmons and, and the guys on in the interior yeah. that much better. So I think it's kind of a no-brainer if you can do it from a salary perspective. The one hang-up might be that Clowney wants – you know, 25 million on a one year deal, which is not happening. Yeah. Who's giving and, that to him? Right. I mean, he's going to have to sign a two year deal with like a play, however you do it, give yeah. a player option or whatever it is, but they're, they're not going to take a $18 million salary cap hit right now and go into camp with less room than they would like to have. I don't think.
1: Yeah. I think John Robinson has done like exactly what you just did in, in some conference calls. I mean, he's, he's talked about this hypothetically as if you know, we'll have Clowney here and Beasley here. Like he's, I mean, he's flirted very publicly uh, about this possibility. It's just a matter of, like you said, money.
0: Um, a couple of honorable mentions just to, uh, to cover them. Cause I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Mark Ingram, JK Dobbins, Ravens running back. I like that one. I don't think Ingram will lose. I think, I, I really think people are overdrafting these rookie running backs. And I'm, I know that you have uh, the Rams on there, Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, Oh, that Panthers, the entire roster. That's funny. Uh, was there, yeah, Karrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift. I think the Colts qualify with Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack yep. and Raheem Hines. To me, again, I go back to the learning curve in the offseason. Running back is probably the easiest thing to learn, but you're getting minimal reps at running back. There's a reason these guys, these teams are not just cutting bait on the, the veteran running backs that they have. I think they're going to be more inclined to ease in the younger guys this year than ever before. Possibly, maybe, maybe with the exception of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, although, as you know, as an, as an Eagles guy, neither Brian Westbrook nor LaShawn McCoy were bell cows in their rookie season.
1: Yeah. No, I, and I think, for instance, the Mark Ingram one, I mean, it's not really that I- did a wide
0: and varying question that wasn't really a question. So well,
1: well, for the, for the Mark Ingram, uh, it's not almost uh, it's more so just the intrigue of, of that running back room. I mean, the fact that they are part of that offense now, I mean, you've got a battle there, but I think it just speaks volumes about how dangerous that offense could be. I mean, you're adding JK Dobbins to um, Mark Ingram, to Lamar Jackson, to everything they've got going on there. But yeah, those other situations. I mean, nobody really excites me for the Rams running backfield. I know, um, you know, they're, they're opting to go with that rotation instead of Todd Gurley, but um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a case to be made that, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be eased in. DeAndre Swift. Um, I think they're all going to be kind of a one, two punch starting out.
0: I agree with you. So, uh, the, the Jets and Giants just issued a joint statement about fans. I'm guessing there won't be a lot of fans. At Jets they said Giants. only,
1: only Giants fans, no Jets fans
0: or something like that. <laughs> That'd be, wait, did they really do that? No. <laughs> <That'd> be, <laughs> That'd be no. That'd be only Giants yeah. fans. So Jets fans can come watch Giants fan, Gi- the Giants play. Uh, okay. So moving back to, uh, unless there's somebody else you wanted to touch on from the honorable mention. I actually, the Eagles wide receivers, we mentioned Philly really quickly. I think that is an interesting battle between some of those guys. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside is like a turning into like a trendy little sleeper in the fantasy community.
1: Really? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. We got to bring, are you serious? Late, I'd be very serious.
0: I'd be very serious. I would JJ. not touch pause. him.
1: I don't he think he was really him. touching. Him. No, I mean you could ask Debo. I don't know, but Debo? he stinks. What? Stay this away. Was a
0: rookie last year, you nuts.
1: Listen, he might have a rebound, but I'd say that's a deep sleeper if it's a sleeper. We're talking twenty-second like
0: I mean, but... round of like a really deep draft here.
1: It's too high. I'd still take a flyer on Goodwin, maybe above him. I don't know. I, I really. I mean, I mean, he. I guess the the benefit that he has is. He's a traditional. He's not a speed guy, so he's going to play that role that that Alshon Jeffrey would, um, and so he he might get targets. But I mean, Wentz didn't look for him at all last year. He had a, I mean, a, a very bad rookie season. I don't know. Okay. Uh, watch. He's gonna he's gonna go off now. For
0: <laughs> how, how do you think that? How do you think? How do you guys think that battle shapes up between? So I mean, like, is it is Alshon going to be ready? I don't think so. Right? I I doubt it.
1: Um, uh, I mean, are Eagles
0: fans counting on Alshon Jeffrey at all this year? Uh, I, I think there's this assumption that he's just going to be ready to go week one. I think more that's the national perspective. They just slot in Alshon Jeffrey and then a lot of Eagles fans recognize they're like, no, he's, he's not going to be ready. Right. Yeah. No,
1: I don't think, I don't think internally the Eagles are expecting to be ready, but maybe at some point during the season, I think you're opening with Deshaun Jackson, hopefully on, on one side, probably JJ on the other as the outside receiver. But then you've got Goodwin and pretty much whoever. I mean, whoever one of those guys can offer speed, whether it's John Hightower that they drafted, Quez Watkins, if if just one of those can hit and give you speed outside of Deshaun Jackson, I think that's what you're you're looking for.
0: Yeah, and Rager's their guy. Like, they love Rager, but it's a, you're asking for a big leap from a, any rookie wide yeah. receiver to be an impact guy, and, you, and again, I cannot... I know, say it over and over again, but a shortened off season in which the yeah. learning curve is different—it is asking a lot of a rookie wide receiver out there. Uh, so yeah. we will see about that. All right. Um, uh, Philip Gordon and Mel- Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon is interesting too. I Philip Lindsay's i would rather have Philip Lindsay fantasy. People are taking Melvin Gordon way too early, in my opinion. Uh, number four on your list. This is a uh, this is intriguing. I think I don't know that it is necessarily as much of a battle per se. But yeah, anything can happen. Tyrod Taylor versus Justin Herbert. What percent chance, Cody, uh do you give Justin Herbert supplanting taking that job in training camp? In training camp, that's like a pretty low. One.
1: Oh, I go 15%? Is that that's actually high, I
0: think. <laughs> yeah, I think I, it's like I, five, I think it's like 5 or less for me.
1: Yeah, the only reason is because I mean, physically, I mean, when they get finally get out there, when you've got just to see his skill set. I mean, he's got the the physical tools. I mean, he's going to be able to go out there and it doesn't take much practice for him to just just fire the ball, I mean, really well. And so, um, yeah, I think it's pretty clear just Anthony Lynn's history with Tyrod Taylor, the fact that Tyrod Taylor's been around. I mean, you're probably right. It's less than 15, but I think that, you know, the Chargers offense, I think, is is good enough that if you have a competent quarterback in there, a guy who's not going to throw a bunch of picks, I mean... They've got playmakers that can help them out. I think that maybe there's a point in the season, what if Tyrod Taylor goes down for a week or two, and Justin Herbert maybe makes some mistakes, but he's also got this crazy arm talent. I mean, do you just roll with the upside? I don't know. I think there's a chance later in the season.
0: Yeah, so obviously Tyrod Taylor was the starter in Cleveland and then got hurt on Thursday night in week three against the Jets, and Sam Darnold looking great, and then Baker Mayfield comes in and Sam Darnold... Never had a chance at winning Rookie of the Year again, which cost me some money. But uh, and then Tyler, Tyrod Taylor didn't see the field again, uh, and then he backed up Philip Rivers all last year. Anthony Lynn loves, I mean, loves Tyrod Taylor. Like find Anthony, the only, the only, like thing, the only thing I've ever seen somebody love more than Tyrod Taylor or than Anthony Lynn loves Tyrod Taylor is me and my love for the tiny little triangle pieces that come uh, on a thin crust Domino's pizza. You know, like when you get the the little the little you ever get the thin crust Dominoes and they cut the way it's cut creates four little. Oh, I see. I thought you meant like there's these
1: tiny, like minuscule little triangles Um, on the pizza.
0: No, no, no. I'm talking about the little corner pieces. Like I love them more. They're like top five and like things I love in life, which is weird. Uh, but I, but I, that's how Tyrod. That's that's how Anthony Lynn feels about Tyrod Taylor. The question is, what would need to happen? For, because I, I I don't think Justin Herbert will win the job. I just think again the learning curve too steep. Tyrod Taylor, no Anthony Lynn knows what he wants to do with Tyrod Taylor. I believe Tom Telesco has promised Anthony Lynn sixteen games with Tyrod Taylor because he said I can win mm. big with this guy if you if you just let me try. Uh, the mm. question is what will be, what would the record need to be for the Chargers to pull the ripcord on Tyrod Taylor? They open up with at Bengals, Chiefs at home, Panthers at home, at Buccaneers at Saints
1: well I just think that's an interesting perspective I mean but what if my question would be what does Tyrod Taylor Tyrod Taylor's record at the end of his 16 game trial have to be for them to pull I mean because how long do you sit Herbert I understand that he's maybe a prospect that you would want to sit anyway for a year Um, but they you know they were going quarterback no matter what early I mean that's what Telesco said they would have taken go two if he,
0: would.
1: yeah, yeah. So it's it's clear that they, I I don't know if there's a disconnect between the coach and management, but I think
0: it's I think it's kind of the timing works out where they can have their cake and eat yeah. it. Where he's he's like, all right, we're gonna give you a season with Tyrod Taylor, but you know we got a young guy, and it actually works out because Ty, you think you can win with Tyrod? That's great, and I, they are on the same page based on you know, yeah all, all everything you hear out of Los Angeles, like they. There's not a situation where Anthony Lynn is like desperate to win. So he's going with Tyrod Taylor. It's more like Anthony Lynn is getting a full season here. And like, if he goes 12 and four, they win a Super Bowl, you know, we're having a whole different conversation. Yeah. They go 10 and six and lose in the playoffs. You know, it's, it's, I think that's an
1: easy out. Um, I mean, I think that's still easy enough. Uh, But yeah,
0: no brainer. Right.
1: And, and yeah, when you're trying to find a quarterback, there's nothing wrong with with having more than one option. I mean, you have to do that until you find the guy. And I, I mean, you, also don't, a... you
0: also don't know if, if Herbert will be ready or at what point, yeah. he'll, you know, like Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn, that was sort of the approach that the Seahawks took. And then Russell was a lot, was ready a lot sooner than they thought, you know, yeah. uh, rivers and breeze. I mean, this has happened for a long time, rivers and breeze, uh, Carson Palmer and, and, you know, John Kitna, Carson Palmer's number one overall. And they sat him for a year and, and let Kitna play. And it, and it worked out to where Palmer is very good. So, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I, think I would we- say
1: if it's like mid season and you're looking for a record where they'd have to put Herbert in, I mean, I, I would think it would have to be pretty far below 500 just because yeah. the roster is good enough. That, Three
0: and seven maybe.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right on the line there. I think that because, I mean, if you're Anthony Lynn, you've worked with Tyrod Taylor, even if you start, one and three, two and four. I mean, I feel like you you know them well enough that if you're willing to go into the season with them right now with this roster, that's capable of going to the playoffs, I think you think you can turn it around at that point. Especially
0: when you didn't sign Cam Newton or yeah. or anybody that you know could have given you another bailout option. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think you might have to be like one and six, and at one and six, you're like, listen, this just it ain't working.
1: Yeah, right.
0: yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, to top three training camp battles to watch. You mentioned Tua Valoa, the number 5 overall pick by the Miami Dolphins. He is battling out uh, battling against Ryan Fitzpatrick. A very distinct difference I feel like with the like it's like Tyrod Taylor is the guy. I don't know that we know who is the guy in Miami, right? No, but I do think I don't know if you
1: get a different vibe from this, but I feel like there's kind of this assumption that, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick will open week one and he's a, because Tua, I mean, with the medical issues, I think a lot of people think, you know, the Dolphins, if they're smart, would keep him on ice for this whole season. But I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I know Brian Flores stuck with Fitzpatrick longer than maybe people wanted last year, you know, try and give Josh Rosen some, some time. But I think Tua is just different and better than Josh Rosen. I mean, they handpicked him, to be the next, you know, homegrown face of the franchise, I think there's going to be some temptation. I mean, he's a playmaker too. He's not just, uh, he's going to stand there and get hit behind the line. I think that, um, there's going to be some serious temptation to, to, to get the excitement up. Unfortunately, I don't know if there's going to be fans there to cheer him on, but the Dolphins fans at home, I mean, I think that they would be pumped to see him come out there, uh, whatever place <laughs> that is.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's weird because right now, we should be talking nonstop about Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Tua Tonga Like that should be a major storyline, and we're just—we have in, no idea. We're just in the—is there going to be football stage of the proceedings, which is yeah. much less enjoyable than the who's going to win this quarterback battle stage? But I mean, that's 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 the nature of what we got to deal with. Um I know the Sun Sentinel has written, and I do not Tua Valoa has made significant progress and is ready for on-field activities if slash when training camp begins. It's just a matter of how much of a workload he can handle and how rapidly he can progress during the process. My take is that – and I think we mentioned this on our Dolphins podcast with uh, my
1: uh, – How old is Ryan Fitzpatrick now? Is he almost 40?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the number is probably depressing for someone of my age, but he is – Thirty-seven. Oh my God, I'm older than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Crap, he is thirty-seven. I'm two years older than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's well, that is
1: depressing. I just think we can't. We certainly can't write off the possibility of an injury there, too. Sure, I mean, he's sure. getting up there, and I and think he plays
0: a crazy style. Like, you know, he yeah, he, he puts his body at risk. I mean, he was running the ball like ten times per game at one point last year. I, I do think the addition of Chan Gailey speaks volumes to the Dolphins' interest in rolling with Fitzpatrick this year and letting Tua learn from a veteran offensive coordinator who has a pretty good history of developing mobile quarterbacks or at least, you know, I mean like he got yeah. right, Patrick, 80 eighty million bucks or sixty million bucks in Buffalo. And so yeah, Fitz and Shane Gailey are boys. So to me it that sort of I feel like is is like sort of a, a giveaway that hey, we're probably gonna go with Fitz and, you know, this is a team where if it's like three and like two and four, two and six at midpoint, but
1: the division is wide open. And so maybe, maybe you're maybe, but I mean, can, you know, going into the season, I would think all the teams are going to believe that. And so
0: yeah. um, I think if, that's right. But I'm just saying if it's like, if you're two and six at midpoint, it's like, all right, two is healthy, ready to go. Yeah. He's progressed in practice. Let's, let's see what he's got. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Going into uh, the draft. So, I think CVS sports or the Mark Sanchez was doing a feature where he was sitting yep. down with these prospects and I had a chance to talk to Mark about each of these quarterback prospects. And one thing that he specifically highlighted about Tua was, I mean, this guy is like when you're sitting down in the meeting room, he might not necessarily seem like he's like up to speed, but when you put him on the field, hmm. I mean, he's just, he's just a very instinctual on field player. And so I could see, you know, maybe there's a scenario where Fitzpatrick gets hurt. Maybe he, you know, when Tua gets on the field, I think it's just going to be hard for fans and the coaches to, to not get excited,
0: you know? Yeah. And I think you make a very good point about Josh Rosen too. Josh Rosen was a, like have you ever bought some clothes on clearance? Like that you're like, I don't know if I can pull that off, but it's (laughs) give it a shot. I think I bought some like blue pants like that and regrettable decision by like, like light
1: blue. Yeah, Baby
0: like, blue. yeah, like sort of like Panthers uh, blue borderline close. Like it's all, and they're all, they might've been linen. It was like from Bonobos and like, it was like $15 on a clearance sale and they, I've never worn them. Never even bothered. Like I got here. I was like, Nope, not going to happen. And I, I know I can't return it and that's fine. That's the risk reward of the clearance sale, but that's Josh Rosen. Like you, you're like, all right, this, you know what? These pants aren't working. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're in. And as you what? the story, like, you know, Brian Flores was justified in, in saying we're bailing on Rosen. You can't do the same with two of them You have to be careful. If you put him in and he struggles or he's taking too many hits, you know, you run the risk of really messing up his development. And in this particular offseason, I just think teams yeah. will be a little more conservative.
1: Yeah. What, what an interesting early career trajectory for Josh Rosen. I mean, what, yeah. what a lot. I mean, this two is going to be a lot of situations
0: you could end up in. Yeah. In. Uh, number two. Cam Newton, Jared Stidham. Uh my buddy Adam Gold, uh, of the Adam Gold show, 12 to 3 on 999 the Fan in North Carolina. Or and all of it statewide, I think. Um said that he thinks it's a joke or something. He said something like that. He was like, I don't think it's a battle. Uh, not talking about your article just in general. Sure. Do you do you think that this is a battle or is this just a question of Cam's health?
1: The thing is, I mean, Cam Newton is Cam Newton. And so um, he's got the resume he's got. I mean, he's just I, I would imagine that Josh McDaniels, I mean, the whole staff is going to be pumped to be able to work with such a different kind of quarterback um, than Tom Brady. Um, and I think it's hard to like if you were to say Cam Newton and Stidham, I mean, it's no question that Cam is the more talented, more ready quarterback. And, and I don't think it's going to be Stidham in week one. But, I mean, this is Bill Belichick we're talking about. And this is the Patriots we're talking about. And I know. Quarterback might be different than than other positions, but we've seen time and time again. I mean, the Patriots, if somebody's going to take a swing on a veteran, a big-name veteran, it's them. And it doesn't always work out the way – I mean, I think of, like, Chad Johnson. Um, you know, you might have brought him in, and, and you expect, well, he's going to get a starting job. And no, I mean, he did nothing. And they've had uh, plenty of guys like that. And I don't know that they would do that at quarterback. Um, but it's not like they, they catered to – his demands early on and, and, you know, free agency. Um, I just think it's, I think Cam Newton will start, but I also wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick um, to try and just outsmart, do some kind of weird thing and say, look, Jared Stidham has been in our system for a whole year. He's a little bit healthier. Um, I don't know how that would rub on Cam's ego to, to be out there holding a clipboard in week one, but I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them.
0: I think if that happens, I think, Cam will, Cam either, and this is my opinion on how it'll play out and who the hell knows, but I think Cam will either win the starting job. Cam will either be placed on the physically unable to perform list and be out the first six weeks of the season or Cam will be cut rather mm. than Cam as the actual back. Exactly. And I don't, and I think the cutting part of it, maybe even less likely if you could use the pup list, but, but the point being is like, I don't think they'll keep Cam around as a back. Sure unless he's not healthy enough to start week one, in which case you roll Stidham out there, you see if he can win some games, let Cam rest a little bit more, let him rehab, get him get comfortable with the system, and then all of a sudden you bring him in late in the year and you you run it. I mean, you let Cam be Cam, you unleash the lion, to use Cam's terms, yeah. and hope that it results in, in a bunch of wins down the stretch. But I, I think there's a small percent of me that thinks Jared Stidham could just beat out a healthy Cam. And if that happens, I mean, the Patriots just aren't skipping yeah. a beat.
1: Like it's just, it's the fact that it's the Patriots. I mean, I just don't, is anything ever really a given with them? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it's fun.
0: Like, like assume Bill Belichick won't be good at your, at your own risk.
1: Yeah. And, and however that looks, I mean, I don't know if it, yeah, I think it'll be fun to see Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform, but I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out.
0: All right. And the number one battle this off season, you knew it was coming. Got an Eagles fan producing the podcast. Got an Eagles fan appearing on the podcast. The savior of the <laughs> 2017 season. No, not, and not, not, to, uh, savior, savior's an unfair word. The, uh, but, uh, Nick Falls versus Mitchell Trubisky. This is, this is when it gets really interesting if we don't have training camp because yes. nobody's seen Nick Falls, you know, play. Nick Foles hadn't played with these guys. Whereas Mr. Trubisky at least has a rapport and an understanding of the offense and has been there for several years. If it's a normal, how much, how much of a difference do you think that the amount of training camp and the amount of reps matter for this in terms of handicapping who would win?
1: Well, that's, that's the huge question. I think this is the most intriguing, um, not because of Nick Foles, but because I think this is the most legitimate. Open quarterback competition of the list. I mean, Ryan Pace says, I mean, they've declared this a competition. I know that, you know, Anthony Lynn says it, but we know that's a different scenario with Tyrod Taylor. This is, you know, Mitchell Trubisky's job is on the line and Nick Foles has backers on the coaching staff. I mean, in the offensive coordinator, the, the head coach, the quarterback's coach. And, uh, yeah, I think training camp time, preseason time does have an effect on it, but, um, the tricky thing is, I like I said, I think Nick Foles has the support of the coaching staff. I think that those guys I mean, you don't bring in Nick Foles, you don't give up a draft pick, you don't give him twenty one million guaranteed over the next three years, and have these these staff members that that really helped him thrive when he was in Philadelphia. I don't think you bring him in because you expect him to just be on the bench all year. So I mean I think it's a it's almost a given that Nick Foles will start some games this year. It's just a matter of does it start in week one? Does it start in week four? Does it start because Trubisky gets hurt? But I think no matter what, he's he's here to start.
0: If Nick Foles doesn't start any games, it means that Mr. Trubisky is getting franchise tag next offseason. Probably. Or Nick Foles like broke his collarbone in week like came and replaced yeah. uh, struggling Trubisky in week one and broke his collarbone. You know, something like that. I, I think no but How good how good does Trubisky have to be
1: to keep him off the bench? Because I mean he was it's not like he was like Unless I'm wrong. I mean, it's not like Trubisky was the worst quarterback in the league last year. I mean, he, what if he, he just is, is, is good enough to win games? I mean, is that, is that enough? I mean, they brought Nick Foles in to to have an open competition.
0: Yeah. But I mean, I know again, I know that you guys have a little bit of a bias towards, towards Nick Foles. And listen, I'm,
1: I'm saying Trubisky could start the year.
0: I I I just think look look at the coaching staff. What I'm saying is that if you bring in Cam Newton, he ain't like that is an intimidating. Cam Newton is an intimidating sure, presence yeah, on yeah. the depth chart for an incumbent yeah. starter who is desperate to salvage his career yeah. uh, or a young quarterback like a Tua or a Dwayne Haskins. And I think that's why nobody, there wasn't interest in Cam.
1: Whereas um, Nick Foles is, he'll be comfortable to sit on the, be- like he's, he's got that personality too, where he, he's a good, he dude. Has to, like yeah. he's
0: not going to rock the boat. He's not going to come in right. and rock the boat if he doesn't win the job. He will understand that he's going to get his shot at some point. Um and if he does, he's probably going to lead the Bears to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I I, I think I, I'm not saying that Nick Foles is not a threat to Mitchell Trubisky because I think he is. He can easily win the starting job, but I think that Ryan Pace, I going into this job, I think Ryan Pace is has, has some confirmation bias that he would love to have occur, in terms like he would love for Mitchell Trubisky to just make it an even or like close to even in a muddled battle. Cause then I think they'll default to Trubisky because they do want him to succeed as much as they're willing to just get moving along from him. Because he it's embarrassing. Every time Patrick Mahomes throws a touchdown pass that you took this guy over him.
1: Yeah. Cause you could still sell it as we actually just traded for Nick Foles. I mean, down the road you could sell it as we just wanted him to be a really good backup. um, Because that's what he's been for a lot of his career. I mean, he's been a, he's been a reliable clutch backup. And so yeah, I mean, I guess ideal scenario is Trubisky wins the job. He he plays really well, and Nick Foles is just a really good insurance policy. Um But I just think the trajectory of Trubisky's career will probably lead to Nick Foles ends up starting some games, and and he's got a coach who who probably is okay with that happening.
0: Yeah, I I think that's probably spot on. And. Again, I mean, you, these three, these top three that you listed, I know it's, it's easy to default to quarterbacks when we're doing these exercises, but they are the most interesting battles. I mean, these are big, big battles that are going to determine jobs, contracts, you know, I mean, it's all, the quarterback. It's a quarterback. It's a right? starting quarterback. But it's also like you know? the top, it's like Tom Brady's successor, you know, the yeah. number five overall pick versus, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick and, you know, Trubisky versus fault. Like what is Trubisky's future? What is fault is falls going to get one more shot. I said, I mean, I think all these things are very interesting. Um, do you, did you think about putting the Redskins on this list at all?
1: Yes, actually I did. Um, I mean, because I don't think, uh, you know, Ron Rivera passed over the Cam Newton possibility, but he did bring in Kyle Allen, who knows the system. I mean, earlier in the off season, I mean, I, I don't think it was crazy to rule out the fact that he could have held an open competition. I mean, there was already, you know, whispers of maybe Washington wasn't on the same page when they drafted Dwayne Haskins I and mean, nobody would be surprised about that. Um, uh, yeah, but, but at this point, I mean, Ron Rivera, I think when he was asked most recently about the Cam Newton possibility, he said, you know, if we bring somebody like that in, we're going to take away a chance to see what we have in the young guy, yeah. the young guy that's Dwayne Haskins. And so, um, I think he'll give, you know, it's a given that he's going to give him a a shot to start the year.
0: Yeah. And I think Ron Rivera, it's a a good point. Ron Rivera knows that, you know, as as talented as Cam Newton is, I mean, he's not going to, he's probably not going to play at least 37 just by nature of the, the physical physical physicality with which he plays and his injuries and all that. So do you play him, but do you bring him in and blow up your one year to evaluate Dwayne Haskins? Yeah. I mean, there's so much else going on with the Redskins, but I, I agree with you. I think, If you draft Dwayne Haskins that early, you need to find out what you have because, you know, next year you could be a two to three to four win team that is looking at a quarterback. You can't spend a year trying to figure out Cam and Kyle Allen when you need to know if Dwayne Haskins is any good. So we will. yeah.
1: Yeah. I think bringing in Kyle Allen, I mean, it doesn't do obviously the same thing that bringing in Cam Newton does. He's, he's younger. He's, you know, if you need him to start at some point, maybe he can, but he's not going to, like you said, bring that presence. And then, if Haskins doesn't pan out, they can do what you did in your mock draft when the – remember when Washington took Tua? You no, and that, everyone was in an uproar.
0: But they, they, did they you they have,
1: have
0: the, the – <laughs> You mean this coming year, take another quarterback?
1: Yeah, right. No, I mean they could do something like that. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah,
0: Well, I mean, I think if, if Haskins doesn't – I think this year, clearly from what Ron Rivera has been given the authority to do – I mean, like Ron Rivera is like, listed as like – the guy who's going to come up with a new name for the team. <laughs> what does I you know. Mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he, he's, I mean, he fired as many people as he wanted from the front office. He fired the trainer who'd been there 30 years. You know, he, he brought in his own guys. He's been given essentially carte blanche to reboot the culture of the Redskins, something that in the wake of, uh, Friday's news about the, the multiple 15 sexual, hara- 15 women yeah. coming forward with sexual harassment claims needs to be done. Uh, Ron Rivera, I think also will have the, the, the freedom from a football program building perspective to say, Hey, look, Dan, I know that Dwayne is your guy, but we got a full year looking at him and and it just, it just, it just ain't it chief. Like, you know, imagine if they would have
1: hired like a, uh, first year head coach or something to be in this situation. I mean,
0: tough spot, man. I mean, and lo and behold, they hired the only guy who in the past, uh, I think 25 years had, had presided as the coach uh, during a gigantic front office sexual harassment issue that, wow. uh,
1: I mean, Ronald, maybe, they, maybe that was part of the interview process. I don't know.
0: I hope not. I mean, yeah. you, know, he, you know, he did. He was the coach when Jerry Richardson was yeah. forced to sell. And, and, you know, so I think in that, and he has his daughter, as he pointed out to, um, point out somebody who he texted. She him. works
1: in the organization. She works right? in the organization.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, not that you shouldn't have not that Ron Rivera is a good man and he has all the motivation in the world to clear up that behavior in the office. So you don't need any extra motivation, but if your daughter works in that office, you yeah. might have some extra motivation to go in there and be like, Hey, listen, uh-uh, no more. You know, I right. mean, so I, I think he's a good guy for the job and we'll, we'll see how all of that plans out. All right. At Cody J. Benjamin on Twitter, go check out the uh, training camp battles on CBSports.com. coming up. Jonathan Jones. Jason Lock and Fora, we will tell you whether or not football will be happening potentially. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks, Kerry. Thanks for having me on.